scared you up, messed you up. We want to look at something tonight. I'm going to look at just right quickly a few little things and let you go figure out what you're going to do and how to. And if if nothing don't happen, good. If it does, you've been warned. It's off my hands either way, but I couldn't go to bed tonight and sleep knowing what I think I know and not telling you. And you wouldn't want me to go to bed not telling you if I knew this and it comes to pass. If it don't come to pass, I hope you love me just as much. You can run me out on the rail if you want to. That's how much I believe tonight that what I'm telling you is right. In 1 John, we want to take our Bible and and, uh, go down into the Word of God. And I pray tonight that the Lord might help us to see this as uh, we study it together. I want to go to 1 John chapter number 2 and verse number 27. And we'll do the remainder of the chapter. And then I'll pray and bring you a thought. I want to deal with some terms that's needful and necessary that most church folks don't know what they mean and or don't, uh, don't put it in the right, correct light when they hear it. In 1 John chapter 2, we won't stand on this. Verse 27 said, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. That's the Holy Spirit. And ye need not that any man teach you. Now, by the way, if you want to learn anything in the Scriptures, it's going to take the Spirit of God. Don't try to figure it out on your own. I've gotten in trouble every time I've tried to figure something out of the Bible by myself. And uh, some of the things that you're going to learn from the Scripture and from the Spirit of God ain't going to even seem, sound reasonable to your fleshly mind. But the Holy Spirit will direct you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth, and that T-H means continues to teach you, you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in me. Verse 28. And here's where we'll find the little thought I want to get across tonight. He said, and now, little children, abide in me, that when he shall appear... We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his what? Coming. I don't want to be ashamed at his coming. I want to be busy about the Father's business. Now, let's pray and then I want to give you these terms. And we won't get all of them tonight, but we'll start a study on this. Father, give us wisdom and understanding that we might know the things of God. Teach us thy ways, O Lord. Draw us close to you. Lift up your name in us. God, we give you the praise, the glory for what you're going to accomplish. Now, open our minds of understanding tonight. And Lord, help us to lay the word of God to the hearts and lives of these men and women. We'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to deal tonight with a verse or, or with a phrase called the day of Christ. The day of the Lord Jesus, the day of the Lord, and the day of God. Now, do you know what all those mean? And I hope you do. If you don't, I'm going to try to clear up some of it. There's the day of Christ, the day of the Lord. Those are two different things. 
The day of the Lord Jesus is another term. It fits in. And then the day of God. Three of them in particular, they come in order. You have the day of Christ. You have the day of the Lord. And then you have the day of God. Keep them in your mind. We're going to look at some things in the scriptures. I want you to turn to 2 Thessalonians. I'll give you several scriptures. Jot these scriptures down and when you get home you can study them out. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, which is a familiar portion of scripture that we've been on lately. Said in chapter 2 verse number 1, Now we beseech you or beg you, brethren, that's the saints of God, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by our gathering together unto you. Verse 2. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Can you figure out what that day of Christ is? It'd be the rapture of the coming of the Lord Jesus, the hope of the saints of God. So when you find the day of Christ, it means it's the period of time when the Lord comes to get us and deal with His saints. We'll look at that a little bit more. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Back up to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to deal with this subject for just a minute. And then we'll go on. In Philippians chapter 1, in verse number 6, The Lord said, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to perform it until the day he comes. Until the day he calls the saints of God home. Until the day when the dead in Christ rise and then we which are alive remain. And beloved, that's what the church is looking for. I'm not looking for the day of the Lord. I'm looking for the day of Christ. Every child of God is looking for the day of Christ. Or at least should be. They may be slack and backslidden, but that's what we're looking for is the day of Christ. Now, let's go a little bit further and look at verse number 10 of that same book. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 10. That ye may approve things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. In other words, you need to stay and live right till He comes. I'm going to give you some things that the Lord teaches us that we need to do. Then go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 16. In Philippians chapter 2 verse number 16 it says, Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. That we are looking forward to His coming, that we might joy, we labor till we get there. And we not run in vain, but and we not labor in vain, but we we rejoice at the day of Christ. That's what we're going to do, isn't it? Amen. Sometimes we can't shout. Sometimes we can't rejoice. The Bible says rejoice and always rejoice. But sometimes we can't rejoice. There's things going on around us. But we will rejoice the day the Lord comes. It's going to be a glory hallelujah occasion. Some of you uh, folks that never have said amen. Some of you folks that's never even grunted holy. 
Amen. You grunted unholy, but not grunted holy. You're going to change your mind when the Lord comes. It's going to be an exciting time. Now turn to 1 Corinthians. And when we get to 1 Corinthians, we'll find it mentioned again in chapter number 1 and verse number 8. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul writing to the Corinthian believers says, Who shall also, well, let's go back in verse number 7, let's get it too. So that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 8 says, Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be busy about the Father's business. Let me give you three things that we need to do uh, until He comes. Well, I can give you more than that, but three in particular things that ought to be on the top of your mind. We know we're supposed to occupy till He comes. But first of all, we are to have some good works about us. We're not saved by works, nor good works, nor bad works. Uh, don't get us unsaved, but works is something that we do because we are saved. Faith without works is dead. So we need to stay busy about the Father's business. We need to win the loss to Jesus because that's what God put us in this thing for. It's to win souls to the Lord. So we need to deal with the salvation of souls. And number three, we need to live a personal holy life. And I proved that from these scriptures we read to you tonight that we be blameless when He comes. So we keep that in mind. Now, the uniting and the commencement uh, of the church in glory is when the Lord Jesus comes. Amen. Now, the church is on the earth now. But the rapture is what moves the church from the earth to glory. That's what we get there for and how we get there. Titus chapter 1, verse 2, verse thir- I mean, chapter 2 and verse 13 tells us that He is coming is our blessed hope. That's what keeps us going. That's what keeps us motivated. And we find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, turn there. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, now we're talking about the day of Christ. The day of Christ. Amen. And the day of Christ remembers what? The rapture. The coming of the Lord for the saints. Not for judgment. But coming for His saints, not with His saints, but for His saints in the rapture. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 10 says, And wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Amen. We thank God. Now we talk about wrath to come two two ways there. He's he's redeeming us out of the pits of hell, the wrath that God has on sin because He paid sin's debt, and He'll also deliver us out of the time of Jacob's trouble. Don't say that in particular here, but we know that's going to happen, and uh, we know that something else is going to take place. Let's look at First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses number thirteen. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep 
in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Thank God that's words of comfort, isn't it? Amen. You planted anybody in the cemetery, you got hope. And then you can tell others that there's hope for their family too as well. But also this day, uh, uh, the day of Christ will put us in glory and usher in the judgment seat. We talked about that a couple of three weeks ago. And the judgment seat takes place when we get into His presence. Now, we want to look at something else. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. These titles you need to keep in your mind. The day of Christ. I hope you've done got that fixed in your mind that the day of Christ is the coming of the Lord in the, to get His saints, to come for His saints. And in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 5, read this. The man in the church who was having, uh, committing fornication, and uh, he was unlawfully with that. Of course, it's unlawful for, for that anyhow. But the Bible says reported in verse number 1, it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you. And such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Seemed like they were just a, they all knew about it. But they didn't, nobody want to do anything about it. Does that remind you of a Baptist church? They didn't want to stir up anything. But... Paul comes along and he said in verse 5, this is what you ought to do, to deliver such an one unto Satan. He's supposed to be a born-again believer. Deliver him unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. At the rapture. That his soul be saved. Of course, uh, that he, I mean his body, you know, is committing sin, but he be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And so, Paul said, you turn him over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh. Amen. I, I don't really believe I've ever seen Baptists pray that way. Amen. You done stepped out of line, and if you don't repent and don't get right, we're going to pray God kill you. That's basically what they were doing. Let the devil take him. Amen. Because he's a stumbling block. He's messing up and stopping the church. Amen. Got quiet there, didn't it? But that's the truth. You look at it. Now let's go and look at something else. I want us to look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, you said that's an awful lot of Scripture. Well, what do you want? This is not Sears and Roebuck and we're not out of the catalog. Amen. We're talking about the Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And verse number 14. Look at 1 Timothy chapter, uh, what did I say? Chapter, uh, amen. Well, yeah, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 14. That thou keep this commandment without spot. Oh, without, I say, excuse me, I have to turn the page. Unrebukable. Unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And he said this, that thou keep this commandment. What commandment? Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. And you keep this commandment until the what? Appearing. That's his coming of the Lord Jesus. Now we find that also mentioned, look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10 it said, Wherefore, or whereunto, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. Of the, verse 11, let's go back to verse 10. But is now made manifest by the appearing, I'm talking about the appearing of the Lord Jesus. For which cause, uh, he said, I suffer these things in verse 12. And, uh, but he goes back to say, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 12, For I know whom I have believed. In the middle of that verse. So you see what he's saying. He's talking about the appearing. The appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in verse 10. Let's look at something else. Look at Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul said, I charge thee therefore before God in the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He's appearing. He's coming. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ's appearing. We need to read in the Word of God in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8 said, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his Appearing. And uh, we're looking at it. First Titus, I mean, in Titus chapter 2.13, you know, we're looking unto him, a man tonight, uh, who, well, let's just read it. Chapter 2 and verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the what? Glorious what? Appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we find in First Peter chapter 1, I'm just talking about his appearing. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says this, That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. At the appearing of Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, we see that. We find His coming. Go back to 1 Corinthians. you believe He's coming? Amen. I'm giving you a lot of scriptures to kind of prove that in case you don't believe it. Amen. Next thing I'm going to ask you is do you want to do something about uh, proving that you believe it? Amen. That's when it gets interesting. Chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians and verse 7 says, Done read it, So that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's His coming. He's coming. And I can go on and on and give you scriptures of that. But I want to stop and look at the second phrase. What's the second phrase I wanted to mention tonight? The day of the Lord. We don't mention the day of Christ, the day of Jesus Christ. The day of His coming, appearing. Now we want to look at the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a brand new thing. It's different than the day of Christ. It's an Old Testament word or phrase. And... Carries over into the New Testament. 
You know what it is? It means it's the time when the Lord brings judgment upon the earth, the day of the Lord. It's when God begins to deal with the Jew. It's different than uh, the day of Christ. Look at Isaiah. Turn into Isaiah, please. I'll give you several of these, and you look them down, and then I'll give you the third, and we'll go home. In Isaiah chapter number 2, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse number 12, let you turn there. Anytime you see the day of the Lord, don't look at that to say that's the day the Lord's coming for us in the rapture. It will not fit. The day of the Lord and the day of Christ are two different things. The day of Christ is when He comes for His, His children. Christ is the heavenly name of Christ of the Lord Jesus. And we are His heavenly people. The day of the Lord is to the Jewish people. And uh, amen. He's, he's their Lord. They're His people. Does that make sense? In chapter 2 of the book of Isaiah. I want you to turn. And let's look at this in verse number 12. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. The day of the Lord. He's speaking to the Jewish people. He's speaking to you and me as believers too as well tonight because he's given us some information that we need to know. I wouldn't know what the day of the Lord was if I didn't find it in the Word of God. I'm not going to go through the day of the Lord. I'm going into the day of Christ. Now we'll move on just a little bit and look at chapter number 13 of the book of Isaiah. I won't give you all of these because I've got a notebook full of them. In Isaiah chapter 13 and verse number 6, Isaiah 13, 6 says, Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. So you see, the day of the Lord is a day of judgment and a day of destruction. It's a day of judgment for the Jewish people, for Israel. In verse number 9 of chapter 13, it also says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. He's going to tell you what kind of day it is. Cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger. To lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. You see how the Bible separates and divides itself? It, it's, it's self-explanatory, if you'll look at it. The day of the Lord deals with God dealing with his people, the Jew. The day of, the law, the day of Christ deals with his people, the bride the, of, the, of Christ, which is the church. You can't separate that uh, any different way I'm talking about. It's got to be for the church or for Israel. Now, let's go a little bit further. And uh, let's look at Jeremiah 46. I'll just move over into another book. Jeremiah 46. These old prophets, they knew what they were talking about. In Jeremiah chapter 46, the Lord says to us, in verse number 10, I like to hear them pages rattle. Jeremiah 46 and verse 10. 
Sometimes people get aggravated and they don't turn them. I, don't, I want you to turn them. I'll, I'll wait on you. It don't bother me for you to get there. Verse 10 said, For this is the day of the Lord. Notice what it says behind it. God of ho- The Lord God of hosts. A day of what? Vengeance. Is the Lord coming for His church in vengeance? Amen. That proves something, don't it? He said, the day of the Lord God of vengeance, uh, Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him of his adversaries, and the sword shall, uh, the sword shall devour, and it shall be saturated and made drunk with their blood. For the Lord God of hosts hath a sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates. So it's for vengeance. Now let's go to another prophet, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 13. Ezekiel 13. I'm going to wear y'all's Bible out one way or another. You're not going to read it home. We're going to wear it out up here. Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 13 and verse 5 said, Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. Always vengeance, war, challenging, judgment in the day of the Lord. Always. Now let's go a little bit more. That's why I say the church won't go through one bit of tribulation. I mean, I'll preach that to I die. I'll preach that to the rapture takes place. Or I'll preach that to somebody kills me. Amen. Is there any other way I can go? Amen. All right. If they do, that's the way I'm going to go. One, I'll put it in there too. All right. Let's go a little bit further. Look at Ezekiel chapter 30. Does this kind of help you a little bit tonight to know about the day of the Lord and the day of Christ? And we'll look at the day of God in a minute. And I can give you a lot more verses of what I'm doing. In Ezekiel chapter 3, or chapter 30 and verse 3. The Bible said, for the day is near, even the day of the Lord is near, a cloudy day. Not a bright day, a cloudy day. Shall be the time of the heathen, and the sword shall come upon Egypt. You see what I'm saying? Judgment, vengeance. The day of the Lord is the vengeance of God. I will repay, saith the Lord. That's what he's doing. And judgment is to Israel. God has never promised in His Bible nowhere, and if you can find it, I'd like to see it, and I'll change my preaching. But if you prove to me tonight that the Lord is going to bring judgment upon the church when He comes, and you give me a scripture on it, that's what I'll start preaching, if it's the King James Bible. You might find it in in somebody's notes, but you won't find it in the Bible. You with me? He's coming to get his bride. He's going to judge the bride. But he's not coming with judgment. He's going to take us to home. And then we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, let's move on. Let's look at Joel chapter 1 verse 15. We was in Joel for 42. Uh, 40, uh, no, for what many? How many was it? 42 lessons, wasn't it? Forty-two lessons, I believe, in the book of Joel that I taught here one time. And uh, everybody got tired of Joel. 
Amen. I, I, could, I, I know I, I'm easy to wear you out. I don't mean to. I just want you to know the Bible. And uh, they 66 books. I ain't tried to teach all of them in one service. Amen. Maybe we ought to try it. But we find in the book of Joel, chapter number 1, in verse number 15. Joel gives this quite a bit. In chapter 1, in verse number 15, Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. When God begins to rule over the Jew in the, in the tribulation, it's not going to be easy. Look at chapter 2 in verse 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh as for it is nigh at hand. You're going to be trembling. We read that in Revelation. Joel chapter number 2 in verse 11. And the Lord shall utter His voice before His army. For his camp is very great, for he is strong that he executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. And who can abide it? God's telling the Jew it's not going to be a peaceful transition from grace after the church is taken out of here. Of course, there'll be grace then, but not in the day of grace. Not like it then. Amen. Read on. In a Joel chapter 1 and verse 31. He says, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. Are you satisfied tonight that the day of the Lord is not going to be too glorious? Are you satisfied tonight that the day of Christ and the day of the Lord is two different things? Not hard to figure that out once you put it together. How many of you are all settled on that before we ever come here tonight? See what I'm saying? Most of the time we just take it for granted. Who cares about the day of the Lord? Who cares about the day of Christ? We just jump over them little verses and phrases and don't pay no attention. And we're not rightly dividing our Bible. So God has that phrase in there. We think that's all one and the same. And it is the same person. It's Christ. But the day of Christ and the day of the Lord is two different things. Christ is the anointed one. He's coming back for the church. The anointed one. But Christ the Lord is the master. He's the owner. The elect is His children. He's going to bring judgment upon them. And yesterday in our study, uh, it, we had in our Bible study, is the reason judgment is going to be, and the reason there's going to be a tribulation is to open the eyes of those Jews to know that Christ is the Messiah that they rejected. Amen. And that's what He's coming back for. I mean, going to have judgment on the earth called Jacob's trouble. He's going to, he's going to persuade... Have you ever had people you wanted to persuade something? You worked and worked and worked and couldn't get it done? The Lord's done the very same thing to the Jews. But one of these days, He's going to twist their arm hard enough. And they will recognize it. And then they're going to say, Where'd you get them scars in your hands? And He said, In the house of my friends. 
They're going to recognize Him as the Lord. One day. We won't get into that. Now chapter 3 and verse number 14. Joel. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And you can find several passages in Amos. One or two passages in Obadiah. Zephaniah's got two or three. Zechariah's got several. You find it in the book of Acts. First Thessalonians and Second Peter. And I can give you those scriptures if you want them when we leave here tonight. But I'm just going to, for the sake of time, leave them off. Now we talked about the day of Christ. The day of the Lord. We found out that's His appearing when He comes to the, get the saints when the day of Christ happens. The day of the Lord's vengeance. But let's talk about one more tonight. Sometimes we overlook. Let's go to the book of, let's see, Second Peter, please. In Second Peter. And you'll see it. It's only mentioned twice in the Bible. I'm telling you that so uh, you wake up, be able to get out of the pew and go home. Second Peter, chapter 3 and verse number 12. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 12. The Bible said, Looking far and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Jesus is coming for His saints. Then He's going to Sin and bring judgment upon the Jew in the tribulation. But it's going to be God that's going to melt her down. This is the day of God. Now when you say God, we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. But it's the whole Godhead will be together in making a new heaven and a new earth. Turn please in your Bible to Revelation chapter 16 and verse 14. Revelation 16, 14, and you'll find the second time that the day of God is mentioned. Revelation 16, 14. This is a study that could take a long time, several hours to cover. In uh, Revelation 16, 14. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Well, that's when God's going to take care of business. Have the great battle. Be the great battle of God, right? God's going to give us a battle one of these days. Amen. You're going to see that. You're going to be the... Uh, Battle of the Great God. If you look at it, it's found in Revelation chapter 19, verse 17. This is the day of God, but it don't mention the day of God there. It says in verse 17, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the what? Great God. That's the day of God. Now can you go home tonight and get those things fixed in your mind and 
keep them for a day or two and not forget them for about a week. Very plain, isn't it? Scripture is very plain. The day of the Lord, the day of Christ, and the day of God. And I got them out of order there. It's the day of Christ first, the day of the Lord second, and then the day of God. It's in that order. Amen. Who are we looking for? The day of Christ. What's going to happen when the church is out and the day of Christ is gone over? Be the day of the Lord. Then after the day of the Lord's what? The day of God when He makes it all brand new again. Amen. All right, I hope that helps you some. Heads bowed, eyes closed.